Hello and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to get extra creepy and explore some curious cases of the most popular death omens in Welsh folklore. Those ghostly harbingers of death, the dreaded corpse candle. The corpse candle eerie lights that signal the end is nigh for some unfortunate individual or individuals. And among the real-life accounts of corpse candles that we'll be looking at on this episode, or supposedly real-life, I should say, accounts that were reported as being true, are the rather unnerving cases in which corpse candles, which traditionally move by themselves, are instead carried by full-bodied apparitions, by ghostly figures that carry these corpse candles through the streets, going door-to-door to surprise their unsuspecting victims. And frankly, the last thing anyone wants to find standing on their doorstep in the middle of the night is the full-bodied apparition of a spirit holding a glowing corpse candle. And so, to begin at the beginning, and I've spoken a lot about corpse candles, or canoeth corpse, to give them their correct Welsh language name, on this podcast over the years. You could say they are the most common of Welsh death omens, and I don't mean that in a negative way. They are common, but they are still incredibly terrifying to the people who encounter them. But if you are unfamiliar with corpse candles, if you've never heard of a corpse candle before and you are starting to wonder what the heck I am talking about, well, you'll be glad to know that the eminent folklorist who supplies the creepy accounts on this episode also provided a handy, short and sweet little description. And I'll kick things off with his description of corpse candles, and it goes like this. The Canoeth Corf or corpse candle, was a death portent often seen in Wales about a generation or two ago. And this was written about a century ago in the early 1900s. So they are referring to about the mid-1800s. The mid-1800s and before that is when the good people of Wales encountered these corpse candles. And even as late as the time of writing in the early 1900s, we are told that there are several persons still alive who told me that they had seen this mysterious light themselves, and they described it as a pale light moving slowly and hovering a short distance from the ground, just above the ground. And that's a first-hand description. And you can just imagine these floating lights slowly but surely winding their way towards their victims. And indeed, to see one of these lights, to encounter a corpse candle, did mean certain death. But not for yourself, or not necessarily for yourself. Because to see this light just meant that some poor soul, or poor souls, it could be more than one, it could be multiple souls, in the local area was going to die. And the manner of the light, the form, the shape, the colour of the light offered some 
clues as to who exactly might perish. So in a way, you had to become some kind of detective. You had to put on your Sherlock Holmes deerstalker hat on and your big pipe to try and work out the clues the light was given to you as to who was going to die, if indeed you could compose yourself to do that while simultaneously being terrified half to death yourself. And we are told that some could tell whether it was a man, a woman or or a child who was to die. And the death of a man was indicated by a red light. If the corpse candle was red, it would be a man. That of a woman by a white light. A white light was bad for women, and a faint light before the death of a child. I am assuming that is suggesting a light that is not yet fully formed, and sadly will never be fully formed, will be snuffed out before it reaches maturity, a faint light is a child. And if two lights were seen together, and you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to work this one out, but if two lights were seen together, two deaths were to take place in the same house at the same time. And I'm sure you could work out the maths here. If you saw three, four, five lights, there was going to be some very unfortunate house out there with several deaths relating to several lights. And if the light was seen early in the evening, a death was to take place soon. But if late, it was not to take place for some time. So if you saw this light walking home from the pub, say one o'clock in the morning, stumbling along, maybe you're doubting your senses. You've had one too many shandies. What are all these lights? What's going on? Well, it means that on the plus side, the person or people who are going to die are not going to do so immediately. And I've spoken about this in previous episodes. There was one case that took an entire year for a death omens prophecy to come true. But sure enough, it was a very specific prophecy that if you choose to believe the tale, did happen eventually. And to continue, back to this description, and we are told that, like the toily, the phantom funeral, that's another death omen I've spoken about many times before on this podcast, but like the phantom funeral, the corpse candle was seen going along from house to house where death was to take place. So whichever house or houses you saw this light emerging from, that is the house or houses where somebody was destined to die. Although I should add here, this is assuming they do die in a house. People have reported seeing corpse candles hovering over rivers where people might drown or in other unfortunate places. But for the purposes of this description, the corpse candle will be seen going from outside the house where the death was to take place. And it would then take the same route the funeral was to take, which presumably in good old God fear in Wales would be towards the local churchyard. So this light, this corpse candle would be seen bobbing along the street or well maybe not bobbing that's what boats do i don't know i i have no idea if corpse candles bob i have not seen one in person but what the heck from now on they do from now on corpse candles bob you heard it here first so it must be official but anyway this bobbing corpse candle was not always entirely alone and as i mentioned at the start of this episode there is a twist and i think this makes these corpse candles 
extra creepy. And that is the fact that sometimes the light was seen carried by a spectral representation of the dying person. So these corpse candles are certainly not bobbin, they are being carried. Carried by a ghostly figure, and this ghostly figure was believed to be the person who was doomed to die. And if we put our Sherlock Holmes deerstalker back on our heads and relight our pipes, it was thought possible that by doing a little bit of detective work again, you could work out who that spirit was supposed to be a representation of. And you could do this by standing near the water and watching the apparition crossing over it. So never mind all this, is the light blue, is the light red, is it going fast, is it going slow stuff. You could, in theory, see the face of the person who was going to die. You can't get much more specific than that. Now, in this case, they recommend doing so as they cross the water, if indeed they cross the water. And another way of recognizing the dying person was to stand at the church porch watching the candle entering the building. Because, as mentioned, this was back in the good old days when Wales was very much a Christian country, and as such, it can be assumed that the majority of funerals would take place in the church, unless you've been exceptionally naughty. But nine times out of ten, that funeral would take place in the church. And so, if you saw that corpse candle in the street, or anywhere else for that matter, you had a pretty good idea where it was going to be going and unlike the corpse candle you can take shortcuts this corpse candle has to follow the route of the funeral which of course means lots of people maybe some horses and a big heavy wooden box to carry and they would usually take the main roads to get to their destination now of course you can put your running shoes on you can go cross country you can go leaping over fences you can swing over rivers like indiana jones anything you want to do to get to the church a few minutes before the corpse candle all of which sounds a little bit like a 1980s computer game wiggle the joystick as quick as you can to get to the church before the corpse candle but if you were successful if you did get to the church before the corpse candle you completed the level on time then your reward would be to see it face to face as it arrived at the church, you could look at it face on and get a nice clear view of exactly who was going to die. Although this handy tip of outrunning the corpse candle to the church does come with a warning, quite a serious warning, I think, if you do choose to follow these instructions, because we are told there are some instances of people seeing their own corpse candle, of seeing their own own corpse candle so after all of that after taking that shortcut after swinging across the river you could come face to face with a ghost carrying a light and the face of that person destined to die the eyes that you are gazing into are the same eyes gazing back at you that is your eyes that is your face that is your apparition and it is you that is destined to 
to die. Which, frankly, you'd be wondering why you bothered. Why didn't you just go to the pub instead? And frankly, that's my excuse for never running to the church. Now, that brings us to the end of the descriptive half of the episode and moving on to the cases themselves. And we are going to start with an old woman, a good old old woman. As I've said before, it feels like 99.99999% of Welsh folklore comes from old women, maybe old men, old people. But at least we have a name for this old woman. It's not one of those nameless old people. This is good old Margaret Thomas, who lived in Llan Varog in Carmarthenshire, and according to our eminent folklorist, she always saw every light, as they call them, or corpse candle, going to the churchyard before every funeral. And she only died about 27 years ago, so she would have died in the late 1800s, not too long ago at all, comparatively, especially when we look at things from, from prehistory on this podcast. But up until roughly the late 1800s, in this little corner of Carmarthenshire, this Margaret Thomas knew in advance who was going to die beforehand, or certainly somebody was going to die beforehand. And I imagine in a tightly knit community, that was quite freaky for some people. Now, why exactly she was able to do this? Why she had this power? Maybe, maybe she lived right next door to the graveyard, had a good view of it. I don't know. But she certainly knew. She certainly knew somebody was going to die. Although it does beg the question, going back to the previous description with the churchyard, did she see a light before her own death? Again, I just don't know. But what I do know is that Margaret Thomas was not alone, because another old woman, another good old old woman, who also has a name, this time it was Mary Thomas, who lived close to Llandusil Churchyard in Ceredigion, or Cardiganshire as it was, and she also saw the same death portents, we are told. Now, she was buried some 60 years before this was written, so again, we're looking at the second half of the 1800s, and very handily, it does specify in that description that, yes, she did live close to the churchyard, close to Llandusil Churchyard, which may explain why she and other people in this part of the world saw so many corpse candles, not because of any psychic powers, it was just a fluke of the property market. I don't know if that would increase or decrease the value of the property. I'm, I'm not an estate agent, but you know, a great little fixer-upper in Cardiganshire with two bedrooms and a swimming pool, and by the way, some floating lights that bob down the road when there's a death on the way. Now, moving on to the third of the three counties that make up West Wales, or what some people define as West Wales, and that is Pembrokeshire. And I've mentioned how in many of these cases, it can be assumed that the corpse candle is making its way to the nearest church or chapel, because that is where the good Christian people of Wales would have their funeral. And for this piece of folklore, we are taking things one step further, and we are going to HQ. We are going to the headquarters of Welsh Christianity, to the home of the patron saint, to St. David's, where St. David, or Dewi Sant, 
as we call him in Wales, has a city and an absolutely incredible cathedral dedicated to him, named after him the City of St. David's, where we are told there is a tradition that tells us it was St. David who brought these corpse candles to Wales in the first place, and he achieved this by prayer. Yes, prayer. And to quote, he obtained the corpse candle as a sign to the living of the reality of an other world. So if you were sitting there or standing there, whatever you're up to, I have no idea, wondering where did these corpse candles come from? Now you know, at least according to the good people of Pembrokeshire, it's because St. David prayed for them, but he didn't quite specify that he wanted strange bobbin floaty lights. Rather, he was a bit more vague about it, but what he wanted was something, some kind of evidence that could be used to convince the doubters here on earth that there is indeed an afterlife. And to cut a long story short, his prayers were answered and he was provided with a form of evidence that could be used to convince people that yes, there was life after death. Now granted, what he received is probably a bit creepier than he expected. Maybe he was hoping for some for some angels to pop down or something. But either way, you've got to work with what you're sent. The Lord moves in mysterious ways and St. David had these floating luminous ball things with which to convince people and that is what they did and that is why they are on the earth today and that means nobody can doubt the power of heaven or the power of hell i guess as well the power of the existence of an afterlife of a soul of something continuing beyond our mortal flesh and i spoke on a previous episode i have no idea which one i'm afraid i have well and truly lost track by this point but if anyone listening has binged this podcast recently you might be able to help me out but i spoke on one episode about how sailors have encountered a phenomena known as saint elmo's fire also known as a kind of witch fire in which a light not a million miles away from a corpse candle has been seen bobbing and yes i think i can safely say bobbing in this case, bobbing along the sea waves and usually signalling some kind of unfortunate event, much like those on land. And without repeating the entire episode here, but sailors back in the good old days would have been extra superstitious for good reason, because it was an incredibly dangerous job. It was incredibly dangerous to work the high seas at times. And of course, they would have been sensitive to any little changes going on. And just like everyone else in the good old days, they would, of course, have been good old Christians, at least those sailors from this part of the world. And as a result, some sailors might take objects with them with which to focus their devotion, to focus their thoughts and prayers onto. They might carry a crucifix around their necks. Maybe other sailors are taking icons with them to protect them on the seas. And if they happen to catch a glimpse of these strange lights bobbing along beside the boat, maybe ahead of them, maybe behind them, that might be a time to clasp that crucifix a little bit tighter, to pray more fervently to the Madonna, to turn to whatever source of comfort they have, because all good sailors worth their salt knew exactly what those lights meant 
and it was never a good thing. And the Welsh sailors had a name for these lights. They were not called St. Elmo's Fire by the Welsh language-speaking sailors. Instead, they were called Canoth Arasperid, or Canoth Arasperid Glan, or Canoth Dewi Sent. And even if you can't speak a word of the Welsh language, and I appreciate the vast majority of my listeners around the world can't speak the Welsh language, but even if you don't know any Welsh, I hope you've picked up on the repeated word in all of those names there, which has been repeated many times on this episode, in fact, many times over the years on this podcast, and that is Canoeth, and Canoeth means Candle. And those three names mean the spirit candle, that's Canoeth Araspirid, or the candle of the Holy Ghost, that's Canoeth Araspirid Glan. And the third and final one was Canoeth Dewi Sent, the candle of Saint David. Which tells us that, as far as these sailors were concerned, it was indeed their patron saint who brought these lights to earth, and not just to the land but also to the seas. And while they might bring ill tidings with them, while seeing these lights is never a good sign, at the same time, it is a beneficial sign. Because by heeding these warnings, maybe they can avert the worst of what is to come. And in that respect, they can be seen as a beneficial, if terrifying, omen. And maybe... As St. David originally intended, they are a sign that, yes, there is somebody watching over you. Which brings us to our final short and sweet snippet of folklore for this episode. And we are told that because St. David was a son of Pembrokeshire, according to some people, the corpse candle phenomena was confined to the Diocese of St. David. But... As you've already heard on this episode, and as our eminent folklorist points out, the fact is there are tales of corpse candles all over Wales. So while there might be more in Pembrokeshire where they originated, they are not, it would appear, if you believe the stories, confined to a single county or even to West Wales. You can find them all over the country and maybe even on the water. And as you've heard on this episode, and as you've heard on previous episodes, one of the great things with corpse candles is that, yes, while they might be common, they are never the same. There are so many varieties. They all do whatever the heck they want to do. They vary massively. You can try and decipher them. Some are scarier than others. Some are just out and out weird. And there are some even stranger ones. Yes, even stranger than a full-bodied apparition walking around with a glowing ball that I haven't even mentioned yet. And that means for the second time this year, and I promise I will not make a habit of this, but for the second time this year, I am leaving you with something of a cliffhanger. Because on the next episode, we are going to look at some truly strange, some truly terrifying accounts of death omens. And if that wasn't enough... On the next episode, I will also be giving you a big update on my plans for the future, which includes my Halloween plans for this year. Yes, there's one more episode after this before we hit the October 
October episodes. And as regular listeners will know, that is my favourite time of year. And that's when I like to do something a little bit different with this podcast. And I've got something a little bit different lined up for this spooky season. And if that still wasn't enough, what more do you want blood? But if that still wasn't enough, I will also be giving you an update on my next book, which will be haunting all good bookshops this November. And I'll say it now, it makes a perfect stocking filler. But more about that next time out. But that's enough about the next episode. Let's wrap up this episode first. And so ends another episode of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please consider pressing the subscribe button. And if you really enjoyed it, you can support the podcast by treating me to a coffee via my website or by picking up some lovely merchandise from the same place. If you'd like more Ghosts and Folklore, you can follow me on social media. And as well as this podcast, I've also written a number of books about similar weird and wonderful subjects which are available from all good bookshops offline and on and as i just mentioned there there'll be a new one joining them this november and if you want a sneak peek of the cover and even pre-order it you can also find that on my website along with all of my other books and on that note it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening dioch and varian amrando i've been mark reese This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast, beaming to you from Wales to the world. And remember, the next time you see a strange light bobbing down the street, run as fast as you can towards the nearest church, jump over hedges, climb walls, dig through the ditches, burn through the witches, swing over ravines and shout like Tarzan, whatever it takes, Get to that church on time and cross your fingers, cross your toes that when that apparition arrives, you don't see a mirror image staring back at you. Until next time, no star. No star.